0: It's an honor this morning to be able to introduce our special guest to come to this pulpit and preach. Brother Josh Anderson and his wife, Sister Crystal, and Lauren and Hunter. We're so glad to have them with us this morning. Amen. For four years, Brother Josh and I worked together. He was uh, fresh out of uh, Bible college, or maybe still in Bible college uh, in those days. We were right in that transitional time, and we worked together at Calvary Tabernacle for a space of time. That was about 15 years ago, and um, time has flown by, and since, he has gone on to serve our district as our district youth president. Uh, traveled around the country uh, preaching the gospel. He pastored for five years or so, I think, um, in Greencastle, in Greencastle, Indiana. And uh, just over a year ago, just felt the Lord release him from there, and he's been traveling and as an evangelist, he is um, a great man, and I love and respect him. Brother and Sister Anderson so very much and we invited them to come and be with us this morning and tonight. We're excited about what the Lord is going to do through their ministry and in their future. If you would, would you give them a great big CLC welcome as they come to minister today. Praise the Lord,
1: everybody. Come on, let's lift our voice one more time and magnify the King of Kings. I'm so grateful, God, to be in your presence. Come on, that's it. I thank you, Jesus. If you're hungry for God, why don't you just reach out to him right now? God, I love you with all of my heart. I love you with all of my soul today, God. My heart reaches out to you today to tell you, God, you're great. You're mighty in my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You don't know what a delight it is to be with you in this wonderful sanctuary. So grateful for what God is doing here in Frankfurt and uh, to be with my family here to celebrate on this Sunday with you. We're delighted. How many believe God can touch us today? I believe God can talk to us. Amen. The book of Acts, chapter number two. Thank you, Brother Jordan, for all those wonderful remarks. I'm going to save some of mine for tonight because i got a good speech that I want to give. I love I love these people. You've never met kinder people than the Jordans. And my friends, the Lytles, and newcomers, we've served with so many and so many friends out here. I wouldn't be remiss if I started naming names. It's so good to see you all today. And uh, I'm delighted to be here. Acts chapter 2, portion of Scripture, verse number 36. And it's a portion that we know a great deal about. Now, let's just sum it up this way. I want to talk to you on this thought. God's got something. For that. That's my title today. God's got something for that. So we come to a pivotal point in Scripture where they've crucified Jesus. I don't know if you can find a more place of absolute terror in your heart. I don't know if you can find a place in Scripture when you wake up in your mind and realize you've just crucified both Lord and Savior. Peter is talking to them and says, Now, what you've done was this whole sermon of Acts chapter 2. You've, the son of David, he's talking about all these things, and he comes down to this. You have crucified him. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God hath met. They made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So they did what anybody would do in a place of pain, in a place of suffering in a place of not understanding, they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, they were distraught, they were completely uh, upset, as you and I would be when we came to a moment of this and said, what shall we do? What are we going to do? The crux of all their life, really, to understand, has come to a moment where they woke up and said, everything I am, I've just crucified the God That made that same Jesus both Lord and Savior. What am I going to do? And Peter said to them, God's got something for that. Wow. Now if you think you've walked into this place and God doesn't have something for you, you have missed one of the greatest moments of all of history. Because you weren't standing there when they crucified him. But you and I have crucified him. The Bible teaches us a flesh with our own sins. Everything we've done against the will of God, we've crucified him. So we stand at the foot of Calvary and we say, what shall we do? And Peter said, God's got something for that. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall. It's not some maybe, it's a promise. You can have the spirit of the living God inside of your life. Would you lift your hands? Come on, let's thank him. Let the word come forth now, God, we pray. By your power and by your spirit, God, touch somebody's life today. God, strengthen us again. We pray in your word and we believe it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. It was when my little girl who was in preschool was on the jungle gym at school And she fell and snapped her arm, and no daddy wants to see his little girl with a broken arm. And my wife and I rushed to the school. We picked her up, and trying to encourage her, as we knew we had to go to the hospital, we thought we ought to run by, I think, McDonald's and get her a Happy Meal. We were broken, I mean, we were really broken, if you've ever, you have parents, and we were broken inside, and we wanted to do anything we could, and so we got her a happy meal at McDonald's, and we started on our way to the hospital, and to the, or to the orthopedic place, and we got there, and they told us, yes, she had broke her arm, and that she would need surgery, and then they asked us this little question, has she eaten recently? And we as good parents said, yes, we fed her on the way. We got her whatever she wanted from McDonald's. We wanted her to feel good. And they said, well, that was a mistake. Because in order for us to do surgery, the food has got to be out of her stomach. And we don't want to put the anesthesia into her body. So you're going to have to sit there for six hours and wait with your little girl hurting as we wait for that to go off. Now, the point of the story is simply this. It was a a horrible day. But what struck me was just a few, maybe months ago, a year or so ago, we were driving down the road. Mothers, you can get this. I think dads could too. We were driving down the road. We were riding in the car. My wife looked into the back seat, and she said these simple words. She said, Lauren, do you remember the time when you broke your arm? And Lauren said, yeah. And she said, can I just ask you a question? Now, this was just a mother. you'll, You'll get this. She said, do you remember the pain? And my daughter said, she said, I, my mom or my wife was just really communicating. She said, I, I want to ask you that question because I, I want to know, do you even remember any of the pain? And, and my daughter said, I, I really don't think I do, mom. I, I, I can't really remember it. And my wife was a little bit relieved because even five or six years later, something inside of that mother said, I can't stand the thought of my children being in pain. And it still haunted her to that day that the mistake we had made going to McDonald's contributed to even more of a length of time that we had to sit in that room and we had to wait and just uh, hold her and say, are you okay? Can we help you? Can we do this? Can we do that? While we waited. And just, just that haunted my wife even recently as, as obviously there's no side effects and, and God has healed her arm and all that. But just the thought of that pain haunted my wife. I, I read you a scripture in Jeremiah chapter 2 if they can put it on the screen that says this. For the hurt of my daughter, of my people... Am I hurt? The Lord wrote and he said, I've come to tell you something. I look at my daughter Israel and I look at the children of Zion and I, I hurt. I'm, I'm black. I'm astonishment with it has taken hold of me. If you want to know something about your God, now I'm not here to relate us to God at all. But in that simple story I just told, I can express to you one little ounce of what God is like. He hurts, and he's black with astonishment when he thinks of us in pain from the sin that comes to our life, or from life itself that has come to us. And he writes this simple thing. He says, I, "I, I, the hurt of the daughter of my people. Am I hurt? I, I, I bear it, and I, I am troubled at it." And then he goes on to ask us this question. If the Lord will help us, I want to get this question across to you today. He said, "Is there no balm?" in Gilead. Is there no physician there and he was making a point to the reference of the balm that was in Gilead that they used for the healing of people and that was well known that people would want and desire of this balm in Gilead. He said, "Can I ask you a question? Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why not then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered he was making a simple point and we sung it since then there is a balm in gilead There is a physician over Israel. There is a healer for God's people. There is a healer for this world. I've come to tell you, God hurts that you hurt. God doesn't like what you're going through. Whatever has come to your life, there is a balm in Gilead. There is a healer. I've come to preach to you today. God's got something for what your life is in. God's got something for what your family is going through. God's got something for every situation here today. I feel compelled to tell you that it's not my desire. I, I can't hurt for you. I I I, I know some of you, and I, I've come to this place because I, I enjoy being with the family of God. But I can't hurt for you like God hurts for you. I can't long for your deliverance today like God longs for your deliverance. But I've come as the anointed preacher to tell you that God has sent me with a message to tell you he's got something for your life. If you've never repented of your sins, he's got forgiveness that will cover that healing or that longing in your life to feel that love of God. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, we baptized somebody yesterday morning. I've been teaching a Bible study, too. He went down in the waters of baptism, and he came up saying, thank you, Jesus, because he knew as we had taught him that his sins were washed away. I've come to tell somebody, you're, you need to know God's got something for your life today. James wrote in chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, He shall receive the crown of life what the Lord hath promised them to them that love him. That God's always had something for you. He's always had a crown of life for us. There's no blessing, though, if we will not endure the temptation that comes to our life. There's no blessing if you give in to the desires of the flesh. If you decide to live in this world the way you want to live, I want to tell you, you will reap of it what this world will give you. He went on to say, Let no man say uh, uh, when he is tempted. If you've been tempted, if you've struggled in your faith, if you've struggled in serving God, if you've not completely given, let no man say that when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin with it comes pain, sin with it. With sin comes a hurt. With sin comes that thing that, that as those people stood there on the day of Pentecost, looked at them and said, what have we done? And they were pricked in their hearts. And sin, when it is finished, brings not only pain, but sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Hear me. Besides the great grief that sin will cause, and it causes to us all, and our miss. Uh, our miscomings and our failures and our shortcomings and our mistakes, all the things it will bring not only pain to us, but it brings eternal death. But the promise is this, that just as he stood on the day of Pentecost, I can hear the words of Peter saying, God's always had something for that. He's had a crown of life. He's had a miracle. There's two lies I, I could, there's many lies the enemy tells. Let me highlight two that I would say to you this morning. First lie is that sin will never take you that far. That it'll never, the pain that has come and the the things that come because of sin, it'll never take you that far. The enemy tries to get you to just give in to some things, saying it won't take you that far. But the truth is, there's a great distance that we are in danger of not knowing that sin, perhaps, hear me, somebody, sin has already taken you and I. There's great distances that sin takes us from God because we've not walked with Him and served Him and trusted Him. There's a great distance there. And the lie is somehow that we won't be too far, and yet sometimes we wake up thinking, really? I'm so far from a miracle? I'm so far from God? When we finally get it, we understand sin took me further than I ever thought. But Let me give you the second lie that is It's uh, given to us by the same devil. He tells us that Sin will never take us too far. And when we wake up and realize that we've gone too far, he tells us that the mercy of grace in God for us is when we get closer to God. He tells us sin will never take us that far. But when we wake up and realize how far we are, he says you can get the grace and mercy of God when you get closer, when you get good enough, when you get better. If you you somehow in your own flesh, if you get good enough, God will give you a miracle. I've come to tell you that's a lie. Because Jesus has always found people wherever they were at. And he had something for them there at their moment of repentance. I've come to tell you, God is not looking at any of us today. Saying, well, you went too far. He's saying, I'm telling you, if you are too far, I've got something for that. Revelation chapter 3 and verse... 17 says, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, he said, thou knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You're far from me, he says. You're a distance from me. So I counsel you. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And then he says, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou may seeest. He says, even in this place, I've got a balm for your eyes. I've got an eye salve. That you may be farther than you thought you'd been, may have gone further than you thought you could go. And you think you're further than God can reach. But where you're at, I've got something to open your eyes. There is a balm in Gilead. I remember we mentioned the camps. And uh, now I'm just going to bring it home, if I can. We, brother Jordan was youth brother, We served with the Lydell newcomers, and we've we've all been out of camps. And one of the things you'll always deal with, hear me now, is kids getting out there and they forget to put sunscreen on. And about midway through the week on Wednesday, you get a kid coming in, and they're red, and they're red, and they're red, and you know their mama is going to be upset. And I can hear it being said when they get home and, you know, when they're calling and saying, I can't even sleep. I'm so sunburned. And somebody, the, the deal is we always had sunscreen at the nurse's station. We always had, for those that even didn't bring it, we had sunscreen at the nurse's station. All you got to do is come up and they'll, they'll help you. They'll give you those little packets. And I can hear some mom when they get home saying, did they not have any sunscreen there? And me having to answer the question saying, No, ma'am, we made it clear that there was always something ready for them. If they forgot it, even we had it provided. There was a way, and I hear the Holy Ghost talking to us today, trying to get our attention this morning in that simple little verse that is, we're, we're living in a world of sin and darkness. There's a Frankfurt that is troubled by the things of this world. There's family members that you know should be here, and they're not here. We're living in a world that is discouraged and depressed by the darkness of this world, and the things that are addicting them and the things that are drawing them further in. And I hear somebody saying, is there no sunscreen? Is there there no healing? Is there no physician? I've come to preach to you this morning there is a balm in Gilead. There's a healing in Frankfurt CLC this morning. There's a God that can touch. I've come to tell you that the Lord looked down and said, I don't know why they don't have it. It troubles me. But I've come to tell you somebody you need to hear me. God's got a miracle for your family. There's still a balm in Gilead. I wish somebody believed with me this morning. God's got baptism for somebody. God's got forgiveness for somebody. God's got the Holy Ghost for somebody God's got a miracle for somebody God's got something for this city God's got something for your family God's got something for your impossibility is there is there no bomb? yes you've come too late to tell me there's not an answer You've come to tell me too, you've come way too late for me to believe that your family can't walk into this place and be smitten by the Holy Ghost. You've come too late to tell me that God can't put marriages back together. There is. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. I like the way, I'm interpreting scripture in my own view. Please forgive me. I'm trying to apply it to this sermon, but I like what the Lord did in Matthew chapter 9. He entered into a ship, verse number 1, and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought him a man sick of the palsy lying in a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. I got something for your sins. You ought to know something first and foremost. I want to tell you this. God's got something first and foremost for the pain of sin in your life. He walked into that situation and said, before we get to this other stuff, I want you to know I've got a healing for the sin in your life. You don't have to live in it any longer. Now, I know what you and I both know what they wanted. They wanted him to be healed. But Jesus said, I've come to declare something first. I've got healing for your soul first and foremost. I've got something for that. I've come to tell you, you don't have to live in your sins anymore. Certain of the scribes within themselves, they said, this man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, wherefore think ye evil in your thoughts? For whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, I've got something for that, or to say, arise and walk. He said, you don't get it. I'm just doing what I came to do. I came to get people out of the hurt and, the, and the, the sickness of their soul. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. That's why I did that. I wanted to tell you, I can forgive sins. I can b- b- bring back the broken heart. But he said, but just so you know that I've got the power to do something else. You thought I—you I, just thought I was mistaken. I knew what he needed. I knew he wanted to come out by the bed. But first, I want to tell him I've got something for sin. But just so you know that I've got power to heal, take up your bed and walk. And Jesus kind of looked and said, "I had something for his sins, but I've also got something for his lame body." I come to preach to you. God's got a healing. God's a miracle worker. He's a, still the same God that rose him up, and He's looking in a light today and saying. saying, I've got something for your soul, but I also got something for your body. I've got something for your faith. Hear me, somebody. God just wanted us to know, I got something. Jesus passed by and he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Now stay with me here. We're going to deal with something right now. He saw a man blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him in John chapter 9, verse 2, said, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents? Why was he born blind? Now, we don't understand everything, but we know this. Everybody was trying to figure out why he was where he's at. Why is he where he's at where he needs us? And everybody's trying to figure out why the situation is the way it is. I can tell you this. I... I I understand this more fresh every day. That in dealing with people and hurts and sins and things, there's often those that are even meaning good, even as disciples saying, why is this going on? Let's figure this out. Let's reason it out. Let's try and figure this out. And while you're trying to get a miracle, be careful, somebody somewhere meaning good might be trying to pinpoint why you're in the middle of your problem. Why your family's in the middle of its situation. Why the darkness has come. Even the disciples of Jesus were trying to say, why is this man blind? And here this morning, when God is trying to move, there is an echo of voices, even perhaps in your past, of telling you why you're where you're at. Why you're going through what you're going through. And Jesus, in this moment, is declaring a principle that we need to understand. I, I know that God gives us the understanding of sin, and I read it to you, James, sin brings forth uh, pain and brings forth death. He's giving us a great understanding that there's consequences, but he's also giving us an understanding of this simple point. When you reach a point where you want God to do something, you need to block out all the other voices. And Jesus said, it's for the glory of God. I want to tell you wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever darkness you're facing, while everybody's trying to tell you why you're going through it, you do need to hear a voice of God that he may understand why you're going through it, but he's not just trying to bug you and harass you of why you're going through it. He's trying to say, I want to give you glory. I've got something for that, and it's for my glory. You're going to walk differently when I'm done. You're going to look differently than I'm done. You're going to act differently than I'm done. But it's going to be for my glory. I've come to tell you, God's something that God has got something to bring glory to your situation. You need to block out all the other voices who are telling you you shouldn't pray, you shouldn't surrender, and you need to just get in the Holy Ghost today and say, I know. I have no idea why I'm going through what I'm going sometimes. You, you may know it. You may understand that you've caused some of the pain in your life. You may not understand those some of the other things. But I've come to tell you, when you repent, when you give it to God, when you say, God, I want to live for you, there's a difference now. God's not just trying to figure out why and let everybody else know why. He's trying to say, I'm going to show glory in their life. I've seen people walk out of a job. And everybody knew they were a reprobate, a drunken. They couldn't do anything right. They were messing up their family, and they got the Holy Ghost. And everybody says, I don't know what happens, but there's something different about them. God's saying, I had something for that. It's my glory on their life. I've got a miracle for them. i hear here to tell somebody, quit letting the enemy tell you why it is. Just put your faith up and say, God's got some glory for my church, my family, for my life. God. so he said I must work the works of him that sent me in verse 4 "While his day the night cometh and when no man can work and as long as I'm in the world I am the light of the world and when he had thus spoken he spat on the ground made clay put it in his eyes he told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam and after a great miracle people again started asking him they said how did this happen they were questioning Jesus I like what he said in John chapter 25, or John chapter 9, verse 25. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner, I know not. I mean, this man really didn't even understand who Jesus was completely. He didn't have it all figured out. He couldn't give a great answer. They said, and again, he said, one thing I do know. I was blind, but he had something for that. That's one of the best testimonies I've ever heard. People leave coming to a church and say, I don't even know exactly what it was all about. But I walked in there, and God had something for that. And you're a testimony out of your family, and you're a testimony at your work, and you're a testimony. You just say, I just know I went to that church, and God had something for that. And they answered and pressed him all the more. What did he do to thee? How opened he his eyes? He said, I've already told you. And you did not hear. Would you hear it again? He said, I'm just telling you, I don't know everything. But I know. You may not get it all figured out today. That's all I'm trying to say. You may not get everything figured out today that God's going to do in your life. But you do have this promise. God's got something for your life. You need it. You need to really repent. You need to really let go and let God. You really need to turn every situation over to Him because God's got something for that. Quit letting everybody else try and figure it. You, you just let everybody else talk. Let them go to the coffee shop and trying to figure out why it's happening. You just say, all I know is I was blind. I wasn't what I was supposed to be. But God's got some glory. I must hurry. But the other thing you need to understand is God's got something for that when you didn't even deserve it. Nobody will ever come to this altar, Brother Jordan. Tell me if I'm wrong. Nobody will ever come to this altar and deserve what God's going to do for them. Not a single person will walk to this altar and receive something that they deserved. When Ruth came back from that land and she was desperate and her husband had died and she followed, she followed and here she was standing and she Begins to just relate a story that all of us relate to in Ruth chapter two, and Ruth the Moabite said in verse number two, "Let me now go to the field and, and glean ears of corn, in whose sight I shall find grace. I just got to find grace. I I'm not a I'm not a woman of this land, but let me just go somewhere and find grace." Verse seven, Boaz comes and finds her, and he asks, "Who is this woman?" And 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 she said, "I pray you, let me glean and gather." After the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from morning until now. And she tarried in a house. And Boaz found Ruth. And he said, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in any other field. I've come to tell you God's got an answer that says don't go anywhere else. Stop looking for it anywhere else. I've got what you need. He said, Let thine eyes be on this field. They do reap. Go not after. He said, I'll charge thee, young men." That they shall not touch thee. And whether thou art thirst, go into the vessels. If you even get thirsty, drink. I don't want you to suffer at all. My, can you imagine? Ruth coming in saying I don't even know I just want to find a little grace and God said I've got something beyond what you can even imagine I want not only you to stay in my field don't go anywhere else can I tell you God wants you to stay in the church he doesn't want you looking anywhere else and then he's going to quench your thirst he's going to quench every need that you have he's going to take care of it. and then we find out that the Boaz told the people that were going ahead of her he said now I want to tell you something else I want her to follow right behind the reapers it was often that they were allowed to follow in the distant. And it was hard. Sometimes you had to look after the reapers were all done to find a good uh, something to take home. But he said, I want you to let her follow right behind you as you reap. And then he said, by the way, I want you to drop good stuff all along the path. when. My God, God's got something for you. You didn't deserve it. You still don't deserve it. And not only has God got it, it's such a miracle. It's a blessing beyond portion. You're just following. And God said, let there be handfuls of purpose for somebody to just reap. You say, preacher, I don't deserve it. No, neither do I. But God's got something for you. Come on, Holy Ghost. Touch somebody's life today. I hear the voice of the prophet Jeremiah writing in a dark time saying, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no healing in this place today? Is there no touch for somebody that's so tired of their own weariness? And the God of all gods is saying, I've got something. Is there no physician at church this morning? Is there no healer there? Is there no provider there? Is there no somebody that can do something and the prophet rise out and screams out, yes, there's, there's a bomb in Gilead. There's a healer today for somebody's soul. There's a healer today for somebody's faith. There's a healer today for somebody's impossibility. Hear the preacher. You've not come to church for no reason. There is a... And God looks down and says, would somebody just reach out to me one more time and believe that I am the God that can do a miracle this morning. There's a woman with an issue of blood. and She's tried everything. And she finds a place where she just reaches out. And she's just got no other answer. She's tried every doctor. And she reaches out by faith and touches The hem of his garment. And God says, I've got something when the doctors have no answer. Come on, Holy Ghost. I've tried everything. Is there no balm? And God said, I've got something for that when the doctors have no answer. I see a woman caught in the very act of adultery. Scorned. Thought of as trash. I have no idea what he wrote in the sand. But for me today, I think he wrote, I got something for that. Come on, just. I don't know. It's its much more theological than that. But looking down at her little situation, looking down at her little. She's broken and she's bitter and she's sitting there and she's thinking I don't know what I'm going to do. They're going to stone me. And Jesus says, by the way he does the same thing. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He says look around you. Do they have any? Where are your accusers? Where are the people? And she said I have none. And he who could have condemned her looked at her and said I don't have condemnation for you. I've got a miracle for you. I want you to go and sin no more. God's something for that. I look at the three Hebrew boys who are getting ready to walk into the trial of their life. They're getting ready to go into the fiery furnace and I hear a God saying, "I've got something for that." I hear Paul saying, "Neither death nor life shall be able to separate me from the love of God. I've got something for that." I hear the preacher saying, "Oh death, where is your sting? I've got something for that." I hear the preacher saying, "Grave, where is your victory? I've got something for that." I hear Peter and John saying, Silver and gold have I none. But I've got something for what you're going through right now. Come on, stand all over this place. Is there a bomb in Gilead? Well, there is. So I've come to ask you is there a cry of faith in Frankfurt? I've come to turn the tables this morning just for a moment and say, is there a cry of faith? I'm not asking for a weep. You may weep. That's all right. You may come to this altar and weep. You may come and just obviously emotions are tied to our needs. But I've come to ask somebody. you. You didn't know it, but you asked me before you got here, is there a bomb in Gilead? I've come by the help of the Holy Ghost to tell you, there is a bomb in Gilead. God's got something for it. I've come to reverse a question to you. Is there faith in your family? Is there faith to just touch the hem of his garment? Is there faith in your life to say, God can fill me with the Holy Ghost? Is there faith to say, I'm going to be delivered today? Is there faith to say, God's got a miracle? I hear a, I hear a man that they said... You need to be quiet. He was yelling out, Jesus, thou son of David, I believe you got something for me. And somebody said, Shut up, be quiet. I know the enemy's here trying to tell somebody, heart down. but I I just believe a, a blind man said, no, he's got something for my life, so you can't quiet me, you can't shut my praise, you can't quiet my worship, I'm going to an altar today. Jesus, thou son of David, I believe you got a bomb in Gilead. Come on, somebody lift your hands. Come on, let's pray. Lift your voices. Somebody ought to get to an altar right now. Somebody ought to shout out in faith. I still believe God's a healer. I still believe God's a way maker. I still believe God can forgive me. Come on, God's got something for your need this morning.
0: God's got something for you.
1: Come on, that's it, there's
0: faith. Come on, that's it, there's faith.
1: And when the enemy tells you not to believe him, lift up your hands and say, I believe he's a healer. Go ahead, yeah. Go ahead, say he's a way maker. Go ahead, say he's a deliverer. Come on, I know there's impossibilities in this place. Come on, lift them to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you've never repented of your sins. Come on, this altar's open. Let somebody repent Light of their in sins this morning. Jesus God, that is who you
0: are. Say we make a make miracle work. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God. That is
1: who you are. Come on, we're almost there. Come on, let's push through in faith. Come on, somebody, go ahead, right where you're at. Reach out to God. Go ahead, right where you're at. Reach out to God. Go ahead. Right now, God's doing a miracle.